This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Ken, did you hear me scream this morning? Yeah, but I thought it was magic time. No, because that's not what I screamed. <laughs> what, what did you scream? Okay, so every time I am assaulted with a dick pic that I do not expect, which all of them I don't expect, I'm at my computer, my standard dick pic noises. No! And so I went into my Sunny Megatron Facebook page today to get the listener question that we're going to answer. And the inbox just opens to the last email you got, which was a giant picture of a dick. Was it a regular picture of a giant dick? No, it wasn't. I'm not, there's no no comment on the size of the dick. The picture was giant. So it was like... Who was it from? Well, I'll, I'll get there. So, okay, this is what got me because I'm like, oh my God. So, no! And then, why? 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 First thing in the morning, huge dick pic. So I go to to report the message. Lo and behold, either Instagram cannot figure out the Facebook or there is no way to report a message that I get on my fan page. There's, I can mark it as spam, so it disappears out of my inbox. I can ban the person from my page, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to report it. And I was like, what the hell? And so then I go to his profile and he, this is like his normal profile with his family and where he works. <laughs> he is not hiding. So I'm like, God damn it. You know, this, all this Sesta Fossa censorship is happening. They're now taking down, um, Patreon pages of burlesque performers. Like there's a bit of huge thing this week. Yeah. I just he, talked to a cam girl yesterday who actually got hers taken down. She, by the way, she had an interesting solution. Not that this is for everybody for dick pics in that she uses sext panther and says, if you're going to send me a dick pic, do it via sext panther. So then I can charge you whatever I want they're to view gonna, it. No, they're not going to. Maybe because she's a cam girl. That Possibly. They're, they're not. I, I just thought it was an, no. I thought it was an innovative solution so that she could set her irritation level to a financial dollar amount. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's, that's the only thing that I thought yeah, was clever about it. I think for me, it wouldn't work because I get, uh, usually it's a lot of people on Snapchat that could give two fucking rats asses about. So anything. you wouldn't want say a, thousand dollars oh i'm not saying i wouldn't want it send me a dick pic with a thousand dollars yeah i'll look at your dick however you, would you rate the dick for a thousand bucks sure sure <laughs> yes that i will consent to that if you send me a thousand bucks in a dick pic first a awesome. thousand bucks first. a thousand bucks has got to clear it's got to hit my bank account um but that's not gonna happen that's you know that's like hey maybe one day i'll win power by the way i'll do it for 500 
Okay. <laughs> so send, send Ken your dick pics for 500 No, You know what? Out of all the years that we've been talking about sending me dick pics, nobody sent me a dick pic other than our good friend Scott. Yeah. Scott sends dick pics. And I, I don't mind Scott. Like, Scott, you can Scott's send me Scott's in Florida. Pic. That's fine. Yeah. And not not like, my name is Scott. No. no. You, our, the one Scott. Our good buddy Scott ass Scott. in Florida. Yeah. So it just gets me that this you know family man with his normal facebook profile can go sending his dicks all over the place but a burlesque performer that's not putting on nude pictures on patreon at all a lot of these pictures are like they're suggestive they're burlesque but they're not showing anything that is you know it's r-rated it's nothing x-rated there's no nipples showing there's no and they're getting their shit taken down. But is it under review or taken down? Taken down. A lot oh. of these people, they're not even getting warnings. They're just like ba bam. And it's been because this week it's PayPal, because PayPal is the payment processor of Patreon. PayPal's putting the squash down, but there's good news. The Woodhall Sexual Freedom uh Foundation? Foundation Association. Foundation has filed a federal lawsuit oh, yeah, I read about this. challenging the constitutionality of SESTA-FOSTA. So I l- seriously nearly weeped tears of joy when I read that. And I'm not a sex worker. I'm not relying on these internet things to stay safe. There have been people that have been killed and but, but we assaulted. Have family, but we and, have family and friends yeah, that are. We have family and friends that are. But I'm like, if I'm this happy that I can almost weep, I can only imagine how they feel. And I'm crossing my fingers that this lawsuit is successful. So we've gone off on a tangent, haven't we? We have. Hi, I'm Ken Melvoin Burr. And I'm Sonny Megatron on a tangent because dicks are in my face first thing in the morning. And I don't really like that. But if you pay me $1,000, I'll learn to like it. And welcome to episode 48 of American Sex Podcast. Holy shit, 48. I know, right? We're almost at a year. Almost our an- our wedding anniversary, the 9th of August, is the one-year anniversary of the show. And I think we're going to be at more than 52 episodes then, because we did like a couple episodes in a week when we first started. So I just realized what? I'm going to be out filming the movie uh, during our wedding anniversary. And my birthday. And your birthday. Holy shit. Yeah, like, I'm going to well, be well, No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll make a... a it's okay. So we'll have to make a special day that will encompass both of those when I can get a day off from the movie. Cool. Yay. Maybe, so, we, maybe we can fly you out to California or something. Meh, we'll see. Meh. No, and I'm not saying <laughs> really? meh. I would love to. That was so, sounded so diva. Meh. No, I would love to go to California, but we got a lot of shit going on here. So I really don't want to leave right now. And that's a whole bunch of personal shit. But right, I'd well, rather stay close to home. I, I officially invite you to a romantic date for just specifically for your birthday and for our anniversary. I think that's thank very you. important that we do that and that we focus on that. Oh, thank even you. if we're busy. Okay. Make sure it's not when I'm having my period. Anyway, this week's <laughs> guest is Paul Fishbein. He was the founder of the AVN Media Network, which included the adult industry's leading trade publication and the annual AVN Awards show in Las Vegas, otherwise known as the Oscars of Porn. A number of years ago, Paul sold AVN and turned to film and television production. With his production company, Plausible Films, Paul released the scripted series Submission on Showtime, the Sex Awards show, X-rated the greatest adult movies of all time, the greatest adult stars of all time, starring Whoopi Goldberg, Steven Soderbergh, Jenna Jameson, Rob Zombie, and many more, like me and Ken, me and Ken are in that. And also, 
the best of the list, the groundbreaking TV series, Sex with Sonny Megatron on Showtime. So in production now, Paul has Time Warp, the greatest cult films of all time, which traces the history of cult films from midnight screenings through the streaming revolution. And his upcoming projects include Sporting Guide, based on the book by Liz Goldwyn, the documentary series Prejudice, and an untitled TV comedy series very loosely based on Fishbine's early life. And if you're like, Paul Fishbine, how is his life interesting? Listen to this interview. It's really fucking good. The company also optioned the book Time on My Hands by Peter Delacorte for a potential series or limited series. It was great having Paul. This is one of the episodes I've been waiting for for quite a while because I knew that we would be talking to Paul eventually, and he is a partner in so much that we do, and we owe a lot of our career success to Paul Fishbein. He is not only a friend, he is a co-conspirator, and a, a you know he's, he's like a true family member to us as far as how he's treated us through the years and stuff we've done with him. Like He's just an amazing guy. Yeah, and we've been saying since the beginning of this podcast, like, Paul, we got to have you on. And he, incidentally, was the very first one that left us a written review, five-star yep. review, on iTunes. So if you want to be cool like Paul listeners, or wait, American fuckers, that's what you're called now, uh, head on over to our iTunes and please leave us a review. We would love you. I mean, we love you anyway, but maybe we'd love you a little more. So we had a question from a listener. I liked your article on Daddy Doms, but wanted to ask you if a baby girl has to be a little. I won't say I have no little tendencies, but I don't see me as such. Thanks. So I have an article on SunnyMegatron.com called Seven Fundamental Characteristics of a Daddy Dominant. And that article was published in 2012. And it is super popular. It's one of my most like hit on what is it hit on hit hit clicked one of my most clicked articles on my website. I get lots of comments about it. So and some of the characteristics, you know, to be a num- as the daddy dominant, be a number one fan, be confident, be a protector, a teacher, a guide and advisor, disciplinarian, etc. And it gets into all those things in details. Now, a couple things, not all daddies are male. And the most important thing and to get back to your question, do you have to be considered a little well, just like we talk about in any of our BDSM classes, BDSM at its core has very few rules, one of which or many of which are based around consent and respect with your partner and whatnot. But after that, it's what you make it. So the archetype or role you embody, those attributes that you know your stereotypes have, they aren't set in stone rules. The, you know, quote, character that you play can be exactly what you want it to be. You don't have to follow what other people have done or what you've seen on TV or even what's the norm. So at its core, a daddy dom baby girl relationship is really about security. It's not about age play. It's not about incest. Now, you may not under, you may never have heard that word before a little. A little is somebody who involves themselves with identifying as a younger person when they role play. Usually it's from ages six to say 12 years old that they imagine themselves being and they sort of live a fantasy life so that they can do things like color books. They can have freedom from responsibility. And I think that's a lot of what being a little is about. And in contrast to the littles are the bigs, which are oftentimes their caretakers. Bigs are people that interact with littles. They may take the role of a babysitter. They may be a daddy dom. They may be a mommy and and actually, it's it's pretty interesting that you can have so much 
different sexual subcultures within one tiny aspect of BDSM. But Daddy Dom and Baby Girls at its core again is about security, safety, both physical as well as emotional. Yeah. And I think it's important to stress once again, you know, when it comes to age play and being a little, it's definitely not about like, oh, I'm I'm pretending I'm, you know, some young age. It's more about being in that headspace. Like you said, you have freedom from responsibility. You can be silly. You don't have to be responsible. It's kind of tapping into that. That's really the draw for people. So listener, I hope that answered your question or American fucker. If, if you will allow me to call you that. Thank you for so, writing in. So do you know what time it is, Sonny? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time. For the new members of our Patreon family, I turned into a munchkin from Wizard of Oz. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time. Lollipops. <laughs> so thank you for joining our Patreon family this week, Sucret. Thank you so much. Thank you. That brings us up to 78 Patreon family members. Now head on over to patreon.com slash American sex to visit our Patreon where you can get all of our episodes early bonus content and stories from our guests and more. <laughs> so I have to mention why Ken pause like what the heck? So what I don't I'm not sure if I have a touch of dyslexia or if it's more like my fingers get mixed up when I type, but I spelled episodes. Now granted, all the letters are there. You, it's like a word scramble. It's no, P-E-I. There, there is no Wait. D there. Oh, okay. this, this is pesos. Okay. <laughs> you spelled pesos like you don't Wait. speak Spanish. P-E-I-S-O-E-S is episodes. So whatever. But listeners, American fuckers, you need to keep your eye on my YouTube where I don't spell things, thankfully, and stay tuned tune for a video very soon. Fun Factory just released the Fun Factory Stronic Real Realistic Pulsator Thrusting Dildo, and my friends at Peep Show Toys sent me one to test out on your behalf. So I'll be posting a video about it soon, and uh, you are going to want to watch this one. And Peep Show Toys is so awesome. They've extended a 10% discount for you on anything and everything at peepshowtoys.com. So you better hop on that. And we've launched a new monthly giveaway with Castle Megastore. This month, you can win a pretty love Ford. To enter... Go to SunnyMegatron.com slash PrettyLoveFord, and you can also get 20% off select items at CastleMegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout. And now that I hear that read out loud, it sounds like you're going to win a car. You're not going to win a car, but what this- the fuck is a Pretty Love Ford? This will, make no your, this will make your engines vroom. What is it? It's for your clitoris, and I don't know yet because we didn't get it, so- <laughs> <laughs> It supposedly has been delivered to us. Is it a vibrator? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that answers the question. Thank you. It's not a car. Okay. All right. But it will make your engines go vroom. All right. So now that we've got that cleared up, American fuckers. I just love saying that. American fuckers. Here's Paul Fishbine. Fuckers. Hey, Paul Fishbein. With hey, this, Paul. This isn't even like an interview. We feel like we're just shooting the shit with you because... This is like interviewing my brother. It is. Except for Paul's alive. Well, and I, That's also, depressing. I, also, and I also don't have a brother, so welcome. I actually, I had a brother named Paul, but he died at birth. Wow, was this getting so dark? Wow, that's getting really dark and really creepy it really fast. It really is, it really is. 
But Paul, for those of you who don't know you, we read a, uh, your bio, you know, so they're, they're kind of expecting something, but you're a legend. You are an absolute legend. So you started the uh, AVN Empire. That's an uncomfortable word. I don't... Empire. Know. You don't like empire? No, I don't like legend. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable with empire either. Okay. But, you're a guy I mean, who started a thing. How's I mean, that? I, mean, I, I, I actually mean, thought it was impressive that you started a wrestling magazine. That's actually yes. one of my favorite things about you because you well, did it yes. at a time when I was really into wrestling. Yeah. And I remember seeing the magazine. I was into the, the zine culture of that time. Yeah, well, I was 14 years old. That was my entree into publishing. I mean, here's the reality. The people who are listening to this, if they know anything, they know about the AVN Awards show. Right. The Corn Awards. Yes. They know because, because, it's, because I used to be on Howard Stern all the time with it, and it's been on Showtime going on 14 or 15 years now. And uh, I think that that's, if anything in the consumer world, that's what the people would know. I mean- AVN was the product of a movie buff who was a journalism major graduating college and not wanting to work for anybody else, wanting to be in publishing or magazines or newspapers and didn't really know how to get a job doing that. So I graduated Temple University in Philadelphia in 1983 and I was working at Movies Unlimited, which at that time was the first big mega super video store. If you think back to the early 80s, people were getting VCRs for the first time. And right. so Movies Unlimited was the first mega movie rental and sales store probably in the country. There were a lot of stores popping up, but they were the first really big ones. They were a big mail order company. And I worked there and graduated college and just was sort of – renting movies to people, you know, I was managing one of their stores, their second store. And knowing that I didn't want to be in retail my entire life was looking for an opportunity to do something with my journalism degree. And it was funny that people were getting VCRs for the first time, their VHS players, and coming into the store. And what was the one thing everybody wanted? Recommend an adult movie, recommend porn. a porn film. Yeah. Right. And so... We would recommend, hey, this film has a nice box cover or this one rents a lot. And we came up with the idea. And I say we, it was myself and a gentleman named Irv Slifkin, who uh, is an author and and film professor in Philadelphia, still a good friend of mine. And we just came up with this idea of a newsletter that would sort of treat adult movies like feature films because we were film buffs and we went to the movies all the time and we loved movies. So treat porn films like regular movies and put out a newsletter for the consumers who are now buying VCRs for the first time. And we put ads in men's magazines, basically stating, for all the new information on the new movies hitting home video, send $18 to Adult Video News, P.O. Box in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, where I was working at Movies Unlimited, and people started to send in money. So 18 and, bucks, like 18 bucks a month, people would just send you No, $18 and- for 12 issues. Oh, okay. Oh, year. But remember, this, this is 1983. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still not bad for 1983. Right. Damn. But what happened was we start to see these people sending the money in, and it's like Bob's Video in Lincoln, Nebraska, Video Village in Des Moines, Illinois, Video Today, Tampa, Florida. And we went, ah, 
It's the retailers who are opening up all these stores who don't know one of these porn films from another. And we turned it into a trade publication. Uh And so Adult Video News, eventually known as AVN, was born. And so out of that came the AVN Awards and came, you know, multiple publications and multiple uh, trade shows. And we grew from 1983. And then I sold AVN in 2010. And it still exists today. And what I say is another form, but, um, so for 28 years, we, uh, I, I built that company and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a great, great experience. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, I have to say when we first met, we met in 20, 2012 or 2011, we'll get to that in a minute. But when we first met, you know, w- when I think of like, who's the guy that owns, all right, not the legend that owns the, <laughs> the, the, the porn <laughs> empire, but you know what I mean? I'm, you know what? Larry Flint. Uh-huh. Is the legend Larry Flint okay. is the guy that took the bullet true. That, for the That's First true. Amendment. Al true. Goldstein was the one that went to trial multiple times. I lived off of the fruits of their labor. In other words, they kind of broke ground for somebody like me to come in and do what I did, and I became very much a First Amendment advocate and defender. And the politics became very much part of what we were doing all those years. But those are the guys that really took the chances. I just sort of rode in on their on their success and created something new and different. So let's give Larry Flint the legend status and just say I was smart enough and you know in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you were you were okay. a keen businessman. That's eh, what you were. Ish. Ish. Okay. <laughs> ish. So what what I was saying when I met you, you, people would think like, oh, you're some like you know big larger than life wheeler and dealer, and you, like if I were to meet you, if you were just my next door neighbor, I'd be like. That's Paul. He's a really nice guy. He's my next door neighbor. I would never be like, Paul's the porn guy. So when you started AVN, were you this like, you know, avid consumer of porn or did you just kind of fall into it because the opportunity was there? Because you were more of a wrestling kind of guy. Um, film. All right. So go back to being a film buff. Uh-huh. And having seen maybe six or seven adult films my entire life, including sneaking into the Philmont Cinema in Northeast Philadelphia when I was 17 years old to see the Alex Dorenzi double feature of Pretty Peaches and Femme de Sod, I was blown away. I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing. And yet I was never like a fan in that way. But I looked at it like these are motion pictures that aren't really treated seriously. So we were now treating, if you read those early issues of AVN, you, you would laugh because the reviews are written more about the structure of the film and the plot and the production value than it has anything to, to do with sex. And we sort of approached it from that intellectual point of view. So I wasn't a porn fan, but I was a movie buff. I love magazine publishing. I love magazines. So doing a magazine was all I really ever wanted to do. The fact that we were successful, I think, had more to do with me not being in the mix, not living in Los Angeles or New York, but living in Philadelphia and kind of being outside of of, of the day-to-day culture and just observing from afar and being able to be completely objective, even in the sp- in the light of starting to take advertising and people expecting that for their advertising, they were going to get good reviews of their movies when they clearly weren't. And so I think what I did was because of partially because of naivety and partially because of earnestness and partially because of seriousness and, and partially because I was stupid. I looked at this like 
this is a business and I'm going to treat it like a business and we're going to be objective in our reviews. And, and so I wasn't caught up in all of it. When I moved to Los Angeles in 91, uh, after eight years in Philadelphia, then I sort of became more part of the community and part of the culture and the porn industry and became much more part of it. Whereas the first eight years, I was much more an observer. Mm-hmm. So the very first AVN Awards, because now people think of AVN, you know, it's the Oscars of porn. It's a really big deal. Was the first AVN like this huge gala? What was it like mm-hmm. in the early days? Well, the first AVN Awards were were given out in February of 1984. And I took a train to New York to hand Cecil Howard, Director of Scoundrels, the award for Best Picture and Best Director, the bowling trophies for Best Picture and Best Director, and took a picture of it and put it in the magazine. <laughs> the second year, during the CES show in Las Vegas, I decided to have a press conference to give out the awards. So we, the actual first AVN Awards, what we did was we rented out part of the bingo parlor at the Aladdin Hotel. And we had to go, we had to set up our own folding chairs and set up our own table. And I bought some wine and cheese and I invited everybody in the adult industry to come expecting nobody to show up Mm -hmm. and asked about 15 porn stars to give out awards. And they said they would. And I had a ton of people show up. The girls were dressed to the nines. The guys were dressed in suits. The the company owners were dressed up. Everybody came looking for an award show. And all I had was a press conference and a bingo parlor. And I had Tracy Lords and I had Ginger Lynn and I had Marilyn Chambers and I had John Holmes all giving out awards. And I had a little makeshift stage that I kind of stood on and introduced everybody. And we're about to give out the award for best picture. And it's loud and nobody can really hear. And all of a sudden we hear some old lady go, bingo. Because we were on the flip side of the bingo call. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the, I couldn't believe it. So the following year, we took a space in the Tropicana Hotel. And uh, friends of mine, Mark and Gary Miller, who owned a company called Moonlight Entertainer, they were musicians. They said they would play some music. And it sort of grew from there. Wow. And ba-bam, yeah. now it's the Oscars. Well, okay. yeah. But I, I would say that the high, it, it hit its heights. 2008, 2009, 2010, I thought, this is not because I sold the company, but I think it has more to do with the changes in the business. I thought it has sort of become a little bit of a shell, not quite as big a deal right now. Right. Uh, I don't like the venue that it's held in. Um, I missed the last two years, the first two I ever missed. So I saw them on Showtime and the production value looked pretty good for television. But I think around between 2008 and 2010 were the, where it really hit, hit its heights, you know, maybe, maybe 2006 to 2010, those shows. So I, I have a question for you. I'm going to go kind of go back a little ways to back to like 1979 and knowing about your background with film, what did you think when you saw the, uh, the Bob Guccione film, uh, Caligula when it came out for the first time with the, the more express like adult I, content in it? I don't think I saw Caligula until it was out on home video. Wow. And I don't think it came out on home video until about 1984 and that's when we reviewed it in AVN. And I thought it had a great lesbian scene. And the girls were really pretty. 
<laughs> well, they use a lot but of penthouse really wasn't, pets. But it really wasn't. It really wasn't. It, despite Malcolm McDowell starring in it, it was almost like some of those other porn films of the day where some of the better porn directors were trying to make mainstream movies. So they would make a mainstream right. movie, but then they would shoot a few sex scenes to sort of hedge their bet, you know? Yeah, I was just wondering about that because it just seemed like an, an odd duck that didn't really happen before that time. I can't really think of any other adult film or any mainstream films that had that level of adult content. That was the first, I want to say, rated X movie. It wasn't triple X. It was rated X, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't rated triple X because it went through the regular MPAA. Right. It was obviously prior to the NC-17. So, all right. I do want to get to what you're doing now, but I can't let your fountain of adult uh, industry knowledge go without asking you, who's been, you know, front and center, how is the porn industry or porn porn itself changed from the time you started to the time, you know, what about 2010 or whatnot, when you sold AVN? What right. big changes have you seen? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, if we're just talking about content, you know, not talking about sex toys or anything like that, content wise, obviously, it's the simplest, simplest map you can draw. The industry was based on movies, people making porn films, putting them out on VHS and then DVD. Very lucrative business, very lucrative for me, being able to take advertising from all the people who are making these movies. The internet hits, nobody really knows how to deal with it. And then you have the, the birth of the tube site and the free content. And we could, we could, I could bore your listeners and give them the whole history of how that happened and why that happened. But basically that ruined it as an industry in, in a traditional sense. Yeah. Because when we started to, when our customers started to lose sales because there was so much free content on the internet, they were, they were obviously had to cut back on their advertising and that obviously cut back on our business as well. And it happened really, really quickly and in a really, really bad way. And I, I just have always had an issue with, for many reasons, why is it free? Why do you have to pay for all your other streaming content, all your movies, all your music, why do you have to pay for all of your entertainment, but porn is free? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. And it ruined, it ruined a great industry. And I know there's sort of a, a new industry now, one that I'm not involved in, where it's a lot of peer-to-peer content and it's a lot of you know direct content with, with uh, adult stars and their fans. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of the high-end websites charge money, but- most people, most human beings never would pay for porn. And that to me was sort of a depressing end of an era. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really affected AVN in ways that AVN's never recovered from, nor have most people never recovered from. Right. Those people who had great content and really superior, high quality content uh, and figured out what consumers are looking for, they figured out how to get people to pay for it. But that's a very, very tiny percentage of the population. Right. And and for those listeners who are interested in hearing like the long drawn out story, there's a great uh like mini series podcast called the words out of my mouth. <laughs> it's called The Butterfly Effect by Ron Johnson. Paul, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's on Audible. And for listeners who don't have Audible because it's a pay service, you can get a free 30 days with our trial code. It's audibletrial.com slash AS podcast. Highly, highly recommended. So is that why, Paul, you got out of AVN? Why you were like, I'm done? Was that uh, the beginning of the end for you? 
It it was there was it was a lot of market forces. I mean, there was that. There was the economy. You know, the two thousand eight, uh, the 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 downturn in our economy hurt the trade show business tremendously. Mm. Uh, we had too many products. We had too many employees. We didn't adjust fast enough. I also had like a personal kind of personal. Uh, I wouldn't call it tragedy because nobody died, but I had a personal moment that sort of made me rethink my life. And you guys know about this. You know, I had a personal home invasion. Right. My wife was three months pregnant. We had guns to our head. We were robbed. And I said, boy, life is short. And why am I so stressed out all the time? And so I got my head into thinking it's time to get out of the business. Now, this was 2000, uh, the end of 2005. And so I started the process of me selling AVN, my part of the company, I owned half of it, mm-hmm. uh, and couldn't find, my partners couldn't buy me out. And then we started to market it. And by the time we sold it, it had lost a lot of value because, you know, market forces. And, and I also took my eye off the ball, I think. I think once that home invasion happened and I sort of got it in my head, I'm done being stressed out. I yeah, took my eye off the ball a little bit. So I think the value of my business went down quite a bit during that period. Mm-hmm. Had I stuck to the plan and tried to sell it, you know, in early 2006, I might have, you know, had a better result. But it was market forces. It was the personal stuff that had happened. Uh, and it was just not fun anymore, yeah. to be honest with you. It just wasn't fun anymore. It became, you know, when you publish a magazine – it went from fun or multiple magazines. It went from fun to running a big company to a lot of stress to dealing with customers. And it just, it just, the only thing that was fun anymore was the award show. Mm-hmm. But that only took up a few months of the year. So, right. So now, now you've moved on, which we're going to take a break and we're going to get to what you're doing now. And also the story of how we met. Cause I, I think it's kind of funny and the stuff that we worked on, Sex with Sunny Megatron, all the stuff you've got going on, bunch of different shows. And I also want to talk about, difficulties that you've had trying to get into or not trying but getting into mainstream but having that kind of adult industry shadow over your head so we're going to take a break and we'll talk about that when we get back hey did you know american sex podcast has a patreon page becoming a patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for national public radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early bonus stories from guests and access to our private patreon feed so you're thinking about it you want to know more check out all the details at patreon.com slash american sex p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash american sex 
Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing. Castle Megastore. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money. You'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my God, give me water. Those are the best orgasm ever. And we're back talking to Paul Fishbein. So Paul, it was November 6th, 2012. I went back in my emails and I found it. I I received an email from you. And at the top of the email in bright red was like, I sent this last Friday. Perhaps you didn't see it. Let me know if you're interested. If not, I'll move on. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. And I nearly fell off my chair because you in your email explained to me how, you know, you're you sold AVN and you started a new production company and you were looking for a sexuality educator to talk about like pleasure products and da 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 da. And you saw me on YouTube. And even though it was in my junk kitchen on a cheap little camera you were like but bam so our relationship started right well <laughs> what i what i loved about that was when you finally got on the phone with me you go oh i thought it was a fraud <laughs> oh i did you thought, i googled you thought some you thought somebody was impersonating me or something i did so i was like ignored it the who, first time. who is, no i no, actually i, I didn't spam filter. no i didn't get the i don't know if i accidentally deleted it or it but i seriously did not get the first email oh, so okay. the first email i saw from you was the one in red like answer me and i was like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> and now that you and now that you know me you understand <laughs> exactly exactly well, it's right. funny because we were asking some of our friends in the adult industry industry about you and immediately the first thing they said was call him back call him back right the fuck now <laughs> and we're like really he's that yes yes just do it you won't be sorry i'm like i think right. his name sounds familiar oh i know avian oh my god so yeah. so you know hence it's how many ever years later what six years later holy yeah. shit and you, so you, what you did was you you know broke from avian and you started your own production company so what went what was your thinking and like what went into that and why it's okay so we were doing a little production uh called avn live we were kind of thinking you know let's do interviews and behind the scenes and all of that and there was just so much going on at avn it was so hard and i was selling the company so my partner darren roberts was supposed to stay with the company and he was keeping a small percentage of AVN. And his agenda was to build AVN Live into a sort of a mini TV platform, you know, streaming on the site. He had a falling out with the new owners and said, all right, fine, I'm doing it on my own. And set out to sort of do what he called promotional programming. He had an idea to do stuff like low-end, uh, low-cost programming for cable systems. Mm-hmm sort of to to teach the consumer a little bit about adults so they know what movies to buy. And he started to do this and he started to shoot. And I got a call from him one day and he says, I need you. 
And I go, oh, well, that's nice to you. <laughs> you were like, I was waiting. <laughs> I can't, no, I really wasn't. I really wasn't. I thought we were done. We, we, we were on good terms. Uh-huh. I thought we were done. And he, he was like, well, I need you. And what, what he was really saying is you had the better contacts in the industry because he wanted to shoot in the industry. And, and he goes, people know you and they like you. And plus he needed money. So I ponied up a bunch of money because I really liked the idea. And we started to do programming that was designed for cable systems that would sort of be low cost to the consumer, wouldn't be hardcore, would be softcore, informational. And that's how things like Adult Insider came about, which turned out to be like a 30-minute program. Um, it was kind was of like, like Insight sort of, Edition, right? Yeah, enter, Entertainment yeah. Tonight. You know, like go on the set of this movie and go to the red carpet of this premiere and interview this porn star in their home and, you know, news about, you know, things that were happening. And it was designed to be a monthly show that we that we sent out to these cable systems. And then we did like a little talk show with – um with some, some adult stars and we did like kind of profiles. We did just all, like, we did these day on the set kind of things where we would go and watch them make an adult film and show people how that's done. And it was sort of like, you know, it was very fun, inexpensive programming for the consumer. It just wasn't sustainable. Right. We, we spent a lot of time a little bit of money and it was just like pennies coming back. It would be like, it would take five years to, to recoup on one production. It was just, it was killing us and we weren't making any money. And, uh, then I had the idea that there was, there was what was underserved was the sex toy market. It was a growing market. It was a market that had tons of products. And I kind of felt like the consumer would have absolutely no idea how to approach such a subject. So I came up with the idea of doing another half hour show, which would sort of be about the sex toy industry, about, you know, review them and talk about how they're made and talk about which ones are worth, you know, trying and this and that. Right. And so, you know, Darren, and I'm not saying anything that isn't true. He said, Oh, great. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go hire some beautiful models from LA. We'll have a casting session. We can shoot the casting session. We'll find some beautiful girl. And I said, actually, forgetting what they look like, let's find somebody not in California. Let's find somebody on the street. Let's find somebody who lives this life. Let's find somebody who is real and people can relate to and not some swimsuit model who's you know trying out for you know feature films and music videos and just takes the gig because she needs the gig right and that's when i found you and i did a search and i looked for a couple of months and i looked at lots of videos and read about a lot of people and had a large list of people and i kind of ranked them and you were number one on my list and you were the first person i reached out to and I did reach out to others, but I was focused on you. And that's why I got back to you because other people were responding. Uh-huh. And before I started to meet with other people, I wanted to just make sure you weren't interested or that you were blowing me off. Well, I'm glad so, you sent that second email. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Well, that's, you know. And I was right. I was right because Showtime loved you and we sold the series fairly easily. Or well, we sold a pilot fairly easily. Right, right. And... um 
So yeah, we did outside the box, which was you know the show right, so, that yeah, we're so, talking about. All right, so we started with outside the box, yeah. which by the way I have repackaged into half hour episodes, and we uh, we put them up on Amazon Prime, and we got some great review from some columnist. And people found it, and Amazon removed it after a week. Right. It's like, they, did they not watch it? And then they realized, like, oh, it's really no, dirty no, or something. No, it's, it's actually, it's actually it's not, not dirty. dirty. No. It's actually fine. It's just, when you're doing their, when you're doing, when they're doing original programming, they have one set of standards. And when you're able to upload to Amazon, they have their other set of standards. And you're really not supposed to put anything up there that's sexually oriented. Ah. So we just took a chance and it, you know, the good news was this guy really loved it and said, wow, this is a real find. And on the other hand, it got us taken off. Yeah. So I'm not, I haven't given up on it, by the way. There are some other platforms. I just, as a single proprietor here, I don't have that much time. Exactly. But I, I do have other ideas for it. And then obviously we took the footage from outside the box and we made a sizzle reel and took it to Showtime and they bought it. Yeah. They loved it and they bought a pilot and then they bought the series and we don't need to, t- you probably have told your audience the ups and downs. No, no, we have we, not. We haven't actually. We have not. And Paul, you, me and Ken, we were kind of like the three musketeers during that shoot. We shot for what, three, four months straight. Yeah. And so. And let's not leave out Jay Bloom. Oh, no, no. We will not leave Jay out Jay from show. Jay and Tony. He's awesome. Right. If he still has a podcast, which I don't know, go listen to it because it was cool. If he's still the Jay doing and Tony it. Show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every week. Yeah. Every week. Oh, they're yeah. still doing it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't been listening, but I used to. So that's something. Well, anyway, you can pick it up at episode 227. Wow. Yes. The Jay and Tony Show show yeah. podcast. Yeah. It's very good. It's inside TV. It's you, you have to be interested in the inside of the business of the. Of the TV industry. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, so so we kept saying that. I mean, our show was good. It got great ratings. It was very well received. Um, but we're like, you know what? If we filmed a like the making of Sex with Sunny Megatron, it may have been better. Yes. Um. So, and I'm not gonna say it was a shit show. It was kind of a shit, but a good shit show. The the kind of shit show that breeds creativity and good things. But like, I remember one night, and I'm sure you remember it well, the night before our kink.com shoot. Mm. We uh were like we're going to take a couple to kink.com. Oh god. Have them meet with uh <laughs> one of the producers of films there films there and and film their own like porno home movie and get directed right. and go to all the sets. So right. Paul, do you remember mm. that night? Well, I'll, I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell you why. And I guess I'm just going to speak out of turn and who cares. Yeah, that's point. fine. All right. So we were forced into, well, first of all, I was pushed into a relationship with the Jay and Tony show. And I'm fine with it because they were great partners and I love working with Jay. But Showtime felt I was not experienced enough as a producer to handle it on my own. They saw the pilot and they were actually going to pass on the pilot, Mm -hmm. Showtime. They were going to pass on the series, not because they didn't like it. They liked it. They just had too many other things. And Robin Gurney, the executive who was our executive there, she really liked the show and she suggested that we try to do what another producer with it for them did and try to get a partner in another network from another country. Long story short, 
Jay found uh, the movie network in Canada, which is sort of like the HBO Showtime of Canada, to co-produce it with us, share the expenses with Showtime, and therefore Showtime would get the show for half price right. for the United States, and they'd give up Canada. Because we were dealing with this Canadian company, they were forced, there's a big tax cut uh, given to Canadian production companies or to production companies if they use Canadian talent. So because we were partners with this Canadian company, the Canadians, we had to use a Canadian crew. So even though Jay, you, Ken, myself, were all Americans and American citizens, everybody else was Canadian. Right. And we shot probably two-thirds of it in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we were dealing with a Canadian crew, and we were dealing with Canadian laws. So fine. I love the Canadians. They were, they were great. They were great. They were stereotypical, but they, they, you know, they're like, I'm so sorry. And we were kind of, we were too mean for them because we we just say it like it is. And they were like, oh, but I love them. Most of them, most of them were competent to very skilled. Some of them were not as competent Mm -hmm. and not as skilled. Not naming names, but yes. Unfortunately, (laughs) they were mostly housed in the casting department. Yeah. We were talking about the kink.com shoot and realizing this was a big, expensive, complicated, day-long shoot that had a lot of elements to it that would make this a really compelling set. Do we have our cast? Yes, we have our cast. Do we have our backups? Yes, we have our backups. But the truth was, no, we didn't have our backups. What Jay was saying to the Canadian casting crew, from experience, 90% of your cast will either get cold feet or will quit or not show up the day before. Make sure you have two or three backups for every piece that we're shooting. Yes, yes, yes. Well, no, no, no. They canceled. The people we had canceled. We had everything booked for the next day and we had no cast. Because the Canadian casting people didn't listen and decided we have it covered when they didn't have it covered. <laughs> so, God. is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And it was, <laughs> uh, what was it? We didn't secure the couple that we ended up using for the shoot until like four in the morning, the night right. before an 8 a.m. Well, call time. We got, we got lucky because one of the girls who worked at kink.com had a civilian boyfriend. Right. Right. And so he was sort of always had this trepidation about her working there. He was jealous. It was affecting their relationship. So when you finally sat down to interview them, the story was real. The story was compelling. It was true. We didn't have to fake any of it. And the scene ended up being better than expected because it's in episode one, which by the way, you can still stream on the Showtime app. On Showtime's Showtime Anytime. And I think you can still get it on demand on some of your cable networks. Yeah. It's episode one of Sex with Sunny Megatron. It's a great, it's a great segment. Yeah, it really is. And I think yeah. like Ken, props to Ken, because he ended up casting, I would say probably 70 to 80% of the show. Ken uh. should have been, Ken should have been <laughs> casting. Ken should have been casting from the beginning. But Ken, who had a producer credit, he couldn't do the casting because it would have hurt the chances of the Canadians yep. to get their tax credits. So Ken was casting, but only in on the sly. The yeah, on the sly behind the scenes. He would say to the casting people, okay, like I told you last week, call this person. 
you know. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. but I, I have to say that production I was so proud of because, you know, a lot of people look at an unscripted TV or reality TV and they think it's fake. Our yeah. stuff was I mean, they were real couples, real people with real yes. stuff that the Canadians did try to cast a fake th- and it was a disaster. It ended up on well, the cutting I, room floor. I, it was I, horrible. I, I'm honest when I tell people. Yeah, I tell people it's 90 percent real. Yeah, you got you got to massage a little. There were you know. there were a couple segments that we manufactured. That it was just we had to. We had no choice. Right. You know, uh, but 90% of it was real. I mean, listen, let's be honest. The 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 the, uh, the, the gay couple in San Francisco at the pee party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a little forced. It was, but, <laughs> but they ended up like really connecting and it oh, was they're amazing. Married now. Yeah. And they're married now. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, I didn't know so. they were married now. That's awesome. No, no, I'm kidding. Oh. I made that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would believe it. I would believe I, it. I do make shit up. Okay. Yeah, anyway. You know, it's yeah. 90%. You know, one true. of my favorite memories from episode one was when we did the clown orgy in yes. uh, the Canadian crew heard that <laughs> there was a squirter oh, on set and they yeah. came wearing hazmat suits. Well, I thought that was offensive, actually. It was. It really <laughs> it was. was. It was offensive, but it was still fucking funny, though. It like, was yeah. Offensive and hilarious all at just, the same time. Right, because, because here they are, a bunch of Canadians that don't understand what they're doing. You know, yeah. they're there to shoot. But again, we were forced to use them, and they were good. They were they were gr- and, and, yeah. and they were honestly nice great guys. Docu- they were great documentarians. It was just, they were good with cameras. Right. They, they just weren't experienced in that. And, world. and there was a learning curve in the beginning that they caught up with really quickly, and they ended up being great. It's just, I think right. it was it was like culture shock. Like what sex squirting? Huh? What? I, I got a great. <laughs> I got a great. I got a great story for you. Oh, I don't know if, if you remember this one, but what? okay. So we were in Chicago, in your hometown, for the first part of the shoot. We just got started, and it was the end of the first day of shooting. And you remember what we shot the first day? Was it that disaster, or was it the clown sex? No, no, no. The first day was the the suspension. Pilot? Suspension. Oh, oh yes. that was amazing. I'm not, no, I'm not yes. talking about the pilot. The pilot okay. was shot six months. I'm talking right, about right. the. After we got the series sold. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, if you remember the suspension bondage. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember, I can't remember her name, the woman who was the director, and I'm using the word director with air quotes. Karen. Right. The yeah. smoker. Yeah. The smoker. The smoker, who, you always like, smells like smoke. Paul hates smoke for anyone listening. And, 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 and we just sort of butted heads the entire time. And I don't know what she was doing there because the the showrunner was so much better. What was her name? Jeanette. 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 Yeah, Jeanette, Jeanette was an amazing director, even though that amazing. wasn't her job. Yeah. <laughs> right. She was, and Jay directed, too. Right. But anyway, she was so upset after the first day of shooting. Like, what am I doing here? How are we abusing these girls? This is horrible. She was so offended by the content that she was directing. She was so upset. And I'm arguing with her. I'm saying these people are doing things. They're doing it with consent. They're doing it by their own choice. They're, you know, everything is safe. And she's, she thought it was horrible what we're doing. I said to her, why don't you just quit? Just quit if you're so offended. Well, she needed the money, so she didn't quit. Uh, she was, she was tough. Yeah. She was tough. She yeah. was really tough. And I she forgot was, about she was, that. She was complete. That whole first night, we were in Chicago. We were all having drinks in the evening, and she was like spouting and how horrible it was and what we were doing the wrong thing and we're going to hell. And I was like, Jesus, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up. Quit or 
you know, but she needed the gig. So right. she hung around and, and annoyed us for the entire And I year. remember I had, and now, and I totally forgot about this until you brought it up, but I remember having a series of conversations, like ongoing conversations with her where, you know, I was talking about consent and talking about, and she was getting it. I don't think she ever quite a hundred percent got it, but she was a lot better than that night. Well, but- consent is the key thing. Right. I mean, we're talking about consenting adults performing consenting material for consumption by consenting adults. I don't know how much more consent you can add to it, you know? It's like we were non-consensually making her direct. It's like, yeah, like you said, yeah. quit. Like- I told her to quit. I, I thought to myself, this is, this is day one of four months. Quit, please. Yeah. Quit. Yeah. Oh, God. But it would have been a great behind the scenes. It would have. Yeah. I, I remember that day was going to be a waterboarding scene, and somehow it ended up being like a. <laughs> it, was a it was like flash dance. It turned it into was, a welding mask with a it, bottle of water over it. It was a, it was a dripping scene. It yeah. was. <laughs> so, uh, audience, public, you will never see that. It ended up on the cutting room floor. Hopefully, somebody burned floor. it. Somebody. It may, may have been the worst piece of footage ever shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, maybe one day we'll compile some old footage and do a behind well, the scenes. Well, was- we have. I have copies of the of the missing cutting scene, <gasps> the uh, the nurse scene. Yeah. Really, and, okay. and it's not that- good quality. It's not good quality. And the fire scene, the fireplace scene. I have. I have low-res copies of those. So, listeners, if you're wondering what that is, we did a couple of scenes. One was a blood play scene with cutting, and another one was a fireplace scene. And they were both gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. And after we filmed it, um, you know, the, the... production company or, or showtime legal. talk with legal and they were like this might be a little too much for tv so it never ended up airing but those segments were amazing if they can somehow be aired somewhere at well, some time i only have low res copies i'm sure jay somewhere in those vaults has them uh we were kind of hoping that when we thought we were getting season two uh, we said to ourselves, all right, so we'll just resubmit them in right. season two and the mood may change, you know? I mean, I think that there was just, there had been some, there had been some serial killing or something and Showtime yeah. had had some bad experiences with Dexter when it was on the air. And I think they just got cold feet. And the timing they, was bad, I think. Yeah. yeah like I you mean, said, had it been the next year, they might've been like, okay, we're cool now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we might've been able to sneak them in, but whatever. So, all right. So, yeah, spoiler, listeners who haven't seen the show, we didn't get a season two, but not because our ratings were bad. Our ratings were amazing. Everybody loved the show, but it's like, you know, the behind the scenes red tape, the way budgets work out and stuff, they just couldn't make it happen. I I, I think I think the best way to say it is the Canadians dropped out. And so I we couldn't get Showtime to foot the entire bill. That yeah. was all. Yeah, that was all. So, you know, maybe one day in the future we'll see something else. But you I have not I have not given up on it. Yes, it, it will live on. Oh. So, but you've been doing lots of things. Uh so you have, you know, the the greatest adult movies of all times. You have a um a bunch of documentaries. Your uh, your scripted show greatest submission. Yeah. There's yeah. so what are the things that you've been doing? I know well one, I, okay, I'll just jump in. Submission. I want to talk about Submission. All right. Um which was a great scripted show on Showtime. It had um, Skin Diamond, the adult star, Ashlyn Yenny, a bunch of other people. And I really liked it. It was about BDSM. However, when you were, this was a mainstream production about sex. So you had a lot of mainstream actors and whatnot. 
what kind of issues did you come up against trying to do a mainstream show being someone who was in the adult industry about sex? Well, the biggest problem, to be honest, was the budget in that the director, Jackie St. James, who's a renowned adult film director, came. We, we, I asked her if she wanted to do a series together. And the idea of sort of a correction on Fifty Shades was in her head. Mm-hmm. So this is supposed to be a correction on Fifty Shades. Now, to be honest, Showtime was honest from the beginning. They, it had to be a late night series. It had to be low budget. They wanted a certain amount of sex scenes in it. And I got that. And we got that. And we, we delivered what they wanted. I think that it was elevated from what the normal late night series was, meaning I think Jackie, through her skill, her writing and directing skill, brought something much more real, something much more believable to the screen for the very, very low budget that it was. And I think it plays well. I think if you can get through the first three episodes, the last three are really good. The first three I find will be a little slow and mundane, but I think it really ends strongly. And if I show people submission, I only show them episode six because it has the recap of the first five episodes (laughs) and it's a longer last episode. It's like a 40 minute episode. So in 45 minutes, you get the whole series. Uh, Also, by the way, still on Showtime's app and still playing on demand on Showtime. ABP, always be promoting, right? Yes. (laughs) So, so I think the budget was the biggest problem. Um, Ashlyn Yenny had uh, starred in The Human Centipede, which was a bit of a cult film that, you know, had some renown. She had been a working actress, done commercials. And so getting her to be naked and to be performing these BDSM acts was a challenge only in that she had to trust Jackie. And I think the fact that Jackie is very deft at dealing with people and making people feel comfortable and being really clear and explaining what it was. I think we got, you know, Ashlyn, but everybody, everybody had to, had to be naked and do things that they were uncomfortable with. I know my, one of my favorite actors, he had a, his name is um, Kevin Nelson and he had a smaller role, but he's very funny and he's a very good actor and he had never, done a sex scene before and we had him do a, like a fake scene with two milfs it was like a fantasy sequence and he was so uncomfortable and just working with him to try to get the scene to look real because he was just so uncomfortable was a challenge but not for me i'm the producer for right. jackie because she's the <laughs> one that had to get the performance i'm the one that was just watching the budget and not saying we can't go over we can't go over we can't go over so i mean for me it was just sort of like 15, 16 hour shoot days, you know, cast being exhausted, just not having the money to add days, having to cut the scripts, having to cut scenes because we just were out of money. That was the frustrating part. But, but the sexual part, when you have somebody as skilled as Jackie St. James, she handles that, you know? Right. And so when, when we were casting, I, I remember because I was in the casting sessions, the kinds of questions we asked people were not your normal questions that you would get in a in a casting session. So what did you ask them? Well, we would just say, you know, are you, well, Jackie would ask them, not me. You know, are you comfortable being naked? Do you realize what we're going to be doing here? Do you realize that you're going to have your arms tied and your legs tied and you're going to be in this vulnerable position? You're going to have to trust us and we're going to be spanking you and whatever. I mean, this is not what, you know, when you go in for Jurassic Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World number 10, they're not going to ask you if you mind being spanked and being naked on screen. <laughs> so, um, 
so it, it was it was fine because Jackie knew how to present it, and and we had a few issues with actors who were like, "I told you no full frontal," and it's not in their contract because their every contract has this very specific rider with exactly what they're going to do and what we're going to be showing that they have to sign, but then they don't realize what they signed. And then they go, wait a minute, I'm not showing the, my, the front of my pussy. You know, I didn't agree to that. And you have to make concessions because you don't want to get them upset. Right. You don't want to get them. They don't, you don't want them to quit. You don't want them to sue you. You know, you don't want any of that. So you have to make concessions, even though, it's right here. You sign this. We're going to show your fucking pussy. So stuff like that happened. Um, but it, it was pretty, it was a good shoot. It was, I know that when we were all done, we all said never again, but then we started working on a new season, which by the way, never happened. So, well, Ashlyn got pregnant for one. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm following her on Instagram and I'm watching oh, her Oh, she's bump married grow. now too. Yeah. Oh yeah. They got married. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, but that we could have shot it before she got pregnant. There was just, there was just script issues and casting issues. Skin Diamond decided that she didn't want to do anything anymore. And we just had a, too many issues. It got to be overwhelming. Right. So we but, passed. But you're doing a bunch of other stuff. So you yeah. had. Well, the two documentaries that are available on Showtime. <laughs> <laughs> ABP, Paul, ABP. <laughs> <laughs> X X rated the greatest adult movies of all time is a history of the adult film business from the early days of Deep Throat to the present through the lens of what we think are the 32 greatest adult movies of all time. And, and I say it's adult, amazing. Adult movies, yeah. It's amazing, by the way, and I'm not saying that because I know you. Like, even if you right. were a stranger, I really enjoyed learning about... I don't know the history of the you know adult film industry and the some of the early movies and I it was fascinating so everyone go watch yeah. it seriously and then and then the sequel called X rated two is the greatest adult stars of all time and that's a little different in that it's more about adult film stars on their entree into pop culture. So it starts with the early days, you know, now it doesn't go in sequential order. This one sort of goes in sort of categories, you know, just porn stars we love and great actors of the past and great actresses of the past and those who made their, made their entree in through pop culture in the present, you know, different categories. And it's got some mainstream people in it. And like and us, like me and Ken. Oh, like Ken, like Ken <laughs> We're and Sonny. in it, yeah. And, you know, Steven Soderbergh is in it and Whoopi Goldberg. Rob Zombie and Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. but also Jenna Jameson and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Skin Diamond and, and Marilyn Chambers and Asa Akira and Tori Wells and, you know, the wow. list goes on. I never thought about that, but I've been in a movie with Whoopi Goldberg. So if you, you have, yeah, that's See, true. Mem- remember six, six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. only one degree from Whoopi Goldberg. Damn. So now I'm really excited about your latest project, this um, greatest cult films of all time. Yeah, this is, this is huge. So tell all us, right, well, who, tell I mean, us who we're going to see in that and what's it all about. Right. All right. Well, this one is called Time Warp. The greatest cult films of all time, and in, just like the greatest adult movies of all time, it's a deep dive, a uh, history of cult movies from the early days of repertory cinemas in the early 70s when Rocky Horror and Eraserhead and uh, movies, you know, Pink Flamingos sort of found their audience and then traces cult movies straight through to today. Uh, 
asking the question, what is a cult film in the age of streaming? So it sort of starts with the Rocky Horror Picture Show and ends with The Room. Oh, now, that's I, odd. That's so I did amazing. not hit her. I, I did, did not. not. Oh, hi, Mark. Now, oh, hi, Mark. Uh, <laughs> now in, 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 typical, in typical Paul Fishbein fashion, the same things that, you know, ailed me at AVN have ailed me in production in that my eyes are too big. And therefore, I spent double the budget on what it was supposed to be because I decided somewhere along the line it was too big of a subject to handle in one 90-minute documentary. So we are doing a two-part documentary. And hopefully we do not – it's not sold yet, but it's in post-production. It's all shot. And we have tons of stars. I mean, we have – Malcolm McDowell talking about Clockwork Orange and Jeff Bridges and John Turturro talking about Big Lebowski. And we have John Waters and we have, uh, we have Rob Reiner and we have, uh, Michael McKean. We just have, uh, 120 interviews. Wow. We, we talk about 50 movies and it's, it's super entertaining. We have directors, we have authors, we have screenwriters, we have actors, actresses, we have critics, we have, you know, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. When do so, we get to see it, Paul? I don't know. Ah, and real quick, Paul, is, who are your top three interviews from that particular documentary? Uh, in terms of what? Your favorite people to interview. Personal oh, favorites. Jeff Goldblum. Oh. oh. Because you only ask one question and you get 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. Jeff Goldblum was absolutely number one. Uh, for me personally, it was Dolly Reed, who was the star of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Because, yeah. because that was such an important movie to me, being Russ Meyer's friend and knowing him so well and loving Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And then actually getting to meet Dolly Reed was kind of cool, especially in the in the house that she lived with um, um, Dick Martin. Okay. Sorry, I, took me a minute. Dick Martin from Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Nice. And, you know, she showed us all her memorabilia. Um, I don't know. Um, it, it's hard not to be enamored with Jeff Bridges because he's just Because he's great. Jeff Bridges. And he's so cool and he's so down to earth. And, you know, he comes on set and he knows we're going to interview him about Big Lebowski and he brings all his personal photos. He sh- he, That's he, awesome. He Every time he makes a movie – He's a photographer and he shoots behind the scene photos and then makes a book for the cast and crew. That's so that sweet. Is and he brought it in and let us let us copy what we wanted to use for the for the for the documentary. Aww. So he was cool. I thought Rob Reiner was great because he's just, you know, he's a he's legend. Just like, He's like my he's like my uncle. You know, he's the he's the perfect liberal. We agree politically on everything. He's an old Jew and I relate well to old Jews. He's funny, he's big personality, told great stories about spinal tap. So Rob Reiner's up there, but there were a lot. I mean, there was a hundred great interviews, you know, people that I never thought in a million years. I remember you saying Uncle Rico from uh, Napoleon Dynamite was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we the entire cast of Napoleon Dynamite, we did. Wow. Everybody. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see that. Yeah, and and it's a film buff's dream. It's not for, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody wouldn't enjoy it, but it's really designed for film buffs, but I don't think anybody wouldn't watch it and go, oh, I remember seeing that movie, or boy, I want to see Eraserhead, or boy, you know, I want to see Napoleon Dynamite. I, I, 
I'm not a film buff. I'm the least movie person she, that she like really I'm is. not a movie person, and I am completely looking forward to this. And I well, don't watch movies. Well, so. I know at least now that's up to seven people I know who are going to watch this. Yay! <laughs> well, now our giant audience of listeners all but now we're up to all fourteen. Four of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So what's next for Paul Fishbein? Uh. I have 10 projects in, in various stages of development. Give us um, hints. What are some? I have a couple more documentaries that deal with uh, sex or the sex world. Uh, one of which you would definitely be interviewed for. Oh, yay. I will tell you off the air because okay. it's easy, easy to steal. It's a secret. It's We're going to talk industry secrets audience and you don't get to know, Neener, it's, Neener. It's easy to lift. You know, somebody will go, <laughs> oh, I'll do that. Um, uh, a couple of those. Um, I have a, a restaurant show, believe it or not, that I'm working Ooh. on. It's different than what's on the air now. I give it a one in 20 chance of selling, but what we shot is pretty good. Nice. Um, is it about meeting a con man in a restaurant in L.A.? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That, that's a fucking scene that we're going to use in a, in a scripted show at some point, right? Please, please do. Yeah. Can, can I have any say as to who you're casting me as? I don't know. I don't know. You, just think, you might, have to, might have to play yourself. And long story short for the listeners... Paul and Ken were out having drinks and met a con man they didn't know was a con man and totally pulled one over on them. And it's a hilarious story we always like retell every time we get together. So maybe one day you'll see that in a TV show. I'm that's, not going to give it gotta away. It's got to be in a TV yeah. show at some point. It's got to be. Like, well, that, was just, that was one of the most surreal things that's ever happened to me. Yeah, that's it was very strange. Uh, there's some scripted stuff too. Um, stuff that's not in the sex world. Well, one is... Uh, I have two, I have licensed two books for, to make into, I'm sorry, optioned, didn't license. I've optioned two books that I'm trying to get made into TV shows. The problem that, that I have as an independent producer out here is finding experienced writers who, who, even if you want to pay them, don't want to work on other people's material. And even though I've said to a couple of major writers, well, I will pay you and I will share created by credit. They just have their own stuff that they're working on. So I need to find a couple of either really good TV writers, showrunners in waiting, you know, the guy who's the second in waiting as it, that's working on a TV show that wants their own show to try to develop some of these projects that I have. I have like four really great scripted projects, two of which are from option books and I just need to find writers. So we're, we're kind of struggling through that right now. But Now, one last thing before I let you go. In your bio, you mentioned something about a show loosely based on young Paul Fishbein. What ah, is this? What is th this? This is a show loosely based on a young Paul Fishbein. Well, come on, expand. What does that mean? It's everything I just described to you in the early days in Philadelphia of AVN. Ooh, but I like it. The Paul Fishbein character name will change, and it will be probably nothing like what really happened because it would be boring if you just did it straight up. And by the way, I've got all the stories. I've got all of the characters. And if you wrote them as is, people would think it's fake, even though they're all real. So Ooh. that's sort of in the, in the, in the works as well. Exciting. Yeah. So, now, uh, on our wrap-up, where can our – I know you, you've named a bunch of stuff on Showtime where people can go and watch some of your other productions. Is there any other place that people can go to find out more? Well, 
if they want to see greatest, <laughs> if they want to see greatest, they want to see greatest adult stars of all time. It is now on Amazon as a rental, and it's on Ooh. iTunes as a rental, and um, it's available on. I don't know. Uh, Sony, what are those? PlayStation, I think. Oh, yeah, like PlayStation oh, and, play, yeah. and Roku. And, yeah, it's on yeah, some of those things. Yeah. It's on some cable systems. So, cool. That's, but, um, but the website, in fact, I have to answer the web director who just emailed, the web, the web designer who just emailed me today said, what are we doing about the site? The site is basically not done. Okay. And it's just all the shit I just told you about. So anyway. Cool. But for our listeners, if you want to see Sonny and I talk about both uh, Nina Hartley and Asa Akira, you can watch us do that. In fact, we've already interviewed Asa on the show, and we are going to be interviewing yeah. Nina pretty soon. Yeah, well, she's hard to get. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nina, thank you, Paul. Nina talking? Really? She's gonna I talk? know, right? She's going to speak? Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she is. We love her. We love Nina. All right. So uh thanks, Paul. Okay. And, and Paul, thank you for our career, by the way. Thank oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I gave you one stinking season of Outside the Box and one stinking season of Sex with Sunny Megatron. It's not enough. But, but those are little baby steps that opened other doors for us, well, and we love you and all right, appreciate you. All right. Well, we're going to keep going. Don't worry. Yay. You're there like, will you're be like more. our dirty godfather. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> our dirty godfather. I like that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. Bye. Bye, Paul. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.